You're listening to episode 27 of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. I am your host, Sean Brown, and on today's episode, we have Grace Aspenwall joining us. Grace is the founder of the Aspenwall Collective, which she started in 2014 to help photographers prevent burnout and build their brands. She didn't always start out as a creative, though. Uh, She wanted to go to school and pursue nursing, and she actually is a graduate of OHSU's School of Nursing, which is Oregon's, one of their premier universities, and she currently resides in Southern Oregon as somebody who helps photographers pair their visually compelling photographs with a story with written words and serving photographers not only with blogging, but also SEO and their brand. Today, we're going to talk about how Grace has tackled the challenges of really overcoming failure and others' expectations of you, of of her, and, and how you guys can do that as well, motherhood, and her philosophy behind storytelling and building your brand. I cannot wait for you all to join us for this episode once again, episode 27 of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast with Grace Aspenwall of the Aspenwall Collective. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast or YouTube show, wherever you guys are watching it. I am back with you again, Sean Brown, your host, and today we have Grace Aspenwall from the Aspenwall Collective, and she was super excited that I said her name correctly. I don't know how you can mess it up, but I'm stoked to have her on here today. Grace is an amazing, tremendous entrepreneur, creative um, blogger who really helps photographers get their business in order um, and in line in terms of, of blogging, SEO, all of that stuff that you guys need that photographers probably don't want to take care of, that Grace is just the master um, at. So super excited to hear, have her on here today, share her story and all of that. Grace is based in Southern Oregon, the Medford area. I know it because it has In-N-Out and it's the most Northern In-N-Out. So it's the only place that we can get it within a relatively short distance from Portland. Um, beautiful, beautiful area in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm um, excited to have you on here and, and to chat with you today, Grace. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So um, let's open up. Tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, how you got into what you do now, and then, um, yeah, just what people should know about you. Great. Uh, I kind of have an untraditional way of easing into my business. Um, I actually went to school for nursing, got my bachelor's of science from OHSU, which is one of the best nursing schools in the country. Really wanted to go into the medical field, had a heart for people. I've always loved talking to people, getting to know them and learning their stories, which made me really passionate about the medical field. Um, But I finished my bachelor's and I went to take my NCLEX and I'm not a great test taker. So I knew it would be a struggle um, from the get go. And (laughs) And it was. Those of us who don't know what the NCLEX is. certification for your RN. So I had my bachelor's in science of nursing, and then you go to take your RN certification, which is a very long six hour test. Um, And I just really had horrible test anxiety about it. And I just kept taking it over and over. I was failing by just the bare minimum, um, just so close to passing it. And so I took it, you can take it every few months. I took it six times. I failed it every time. And in Oregon, that was the maximum amount of time that I could have taken it. Um, So it was really discouraging to finish school with my bachelor's, but not have my RN. I was in a really unique situation. 
Um, so I went through a time where I just didn't know what I was going to do. Um, we had two little girls at that point, um, but I just felt super discouraged. Um, I mean, you work for five years and then you discover that it's just gone. And I would have had to start school all the way back at the beginning. So I would have had to repeat all five years of nursing school. Wow. That wasn't really a great option <laughs> for me at the time being a parent. No. <laughs> being married with two little girls, it just wasn't going to work. So I was at the park with my girls and I met a gal and she said, you know, I have a friend in Washington and she's looking for someone to write for her, um, for her photography blog. And I'd never done anything like that, but I had done magazine writing for a magazine in Nashville. And I said, well, I can give it a shot. And so she Skyped interviewed with me and I said, this is, you know, I don't have experience doing this and I'm not a photographer, but I'm willing to give this a shot if you're willing to give me a chance. And all I wanted to do was make a little bit of extra money on the side. Um, that client was Galicia from Photography by Galicia. She's up in Kennewick and she became my first client and right out of the gate, we just hit it off. She's still a client today. We've been together almost five years. Um, but she said, you're really good at this and I'm going to tell my friends. And I said, okay, you know, I'm I'm just a mom. I'm not, I don't have a degree in writing, but I have experience. I had about nine years of magazine experience. And so it started off with just one person. And she said, you're providing such a valuable service to me and I don't have the time to do this. And so it just exploded. So that was in 2014. And now we're celebrating almost five years and it's just grown exponentially every year. Um, so I feel super grateful. It, I feel really lucky that I got to turn around what was a really difficult situation into something really great. So I get to be home with my kids now and I love what I do. I'm really passionate about people and, and I'm using really my skills from nursing school in a way that I wouldn't have anticipated, but it's turned into something really, really great. Well, congrats on, on five years and um, Aspen, Aspenwall Collective, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys also do other stuff than just writing, correct? Yes. Yeah, we do web copy for a lot of people. So when you're building a new website, we do a lot of that copy. Um, we, we've worked with venues to build event websites um, and even some like special event type writing. And then we do um, senior magazines, those sorts of publications. A lot of people need copy written for those and don't know what to write in those empty spaces. Um, so we do content blogging, session blogging. So if you have a client that did a senior session, we do that session for you. So we would write about that for you. We also optimize all of our blogs. We walk people through SEO audits, um, Google Analytics, that sort of thing also. Yeah. So all of the techie stuff that yes. people are like, let's not ever touch this. Yes, Grace is, is kind of your gal <laughs> for, yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about how you connected with, um, you know, your first client and, and how you got started. And, you know, because that's a huge departure from going from the medical school background all of a sudden to writing for photographers. So what was, you know, what was going through your mind right before you took that first job? Um, well, I had written for about nine years for CCM Magazine out of Nashville. Well, it's been nine years now, but it was, at the time it wasn't quite that many. Um, and I had loved doing feature writing, which is interviewing artists and really turning their narratives into a story. And when I really thought about it, photography wasn't that much different. Um, you're taking a client's story and you're turning it into a narrative um, style blog. And so even though I wasn't a photographer, I couldn't tell you the lighting and the f-stops and the apertures, but I 
could tell you their story. And so I always have been someone that's based around storytelling, um, whether I was writing about Christian music and Nashville or whether I was writing about photography. And I kind of just realized that that has always been the heart of what I've wanted to do, even as a nurse, um, just connecting with people, getting to know who they were at the heart of their story and being able to tell that authentically was always something that I loved. And I realized it really isn't that much different. And yes, it's not the medical field, but the skills that I gained there, which were getting to know people, hearing their story, trying to help them were really similar to how I was getting information from these clients and turning it into a story. Yeah. Where did you learn to fall in love with storytelling? Uh, I've always been a writer since I was really little. Um, my mom said I could, you know, write before I could walk practically. <laughs> and nice skill to have. Loved reading and writing from the time I was very, very small. And um, I just have always come up with stories on my own. And I have little books from when I was tiny and I would write stories, you know, from my imagination. And um, I became a magazine writer when I was 16. And I was the youngest hired there at that company. And um, they didn't know how old I was when I sent in my application. And so they said, we can't legally hire you till you're, you know, legal age. And yeah. so I had to wait a few years. But um, I've always just loved the idea of turning words into something that are meaningful. And um, being able to tell people's stories is really my favorite. And I think that's what's made our company really special is capturing the voice of each photographer. So we don't write in the similar style for everybody. Um, and often clients come to me later and they say, I don't know how you did it. Like you have my voice and it sounds like me. Um, and I just find that to be the highest compliment because as I started the business and started, it started going so quickly and people started referring and referring, it just exploded. But everyone came to me and they said, you know what you do differently is that you can use my voice. It sounds like me and my clients don't know that it's not me writing. And so even though my name isn't on these blogs and often you wouldn't know that it was me because I ghostwrite, um, I think that that is the highest compliment for me to have this seamless piece where they don't know that it's me. I think that's um, my goal always to capture the voice of the client. So, so let's, let's kind of walk through that then because I think a lot of photographers, our job is to connect and get to know our clients. So how are you connecting with photographers and, and getting to know them? And what are your, I don't know, tips or techniques or sure. your philosophy behind trying to tell somebody else's story? Yeah, this is probably my biggest passion and pet peeve about what I do is I think people can take two very different approaches to it. And we take what we call a holistic approach. And so when I meet a photographer, like if I was talking to you for the first time, I actually ask you a series of questions that are really not related to your business. Um, and I say, how are you taking care of yourself? Are you sleeping? Do you have a good relationship with your spouse or your partner? Are you are you a parent? Like, how does that factor in? And often people are really taken aback by that because it doesn't have anything to do with their business in their mind. They're like, why aren't you just asking me how to log into my website? Um, what is WordPress? It's really important that we um, address the client as a whole, whether you're a photographer or whether you're someone like me working in marketing, the burnout is so high among photographers and it's because they're separating these pieces of their lives out parenting, working, trying to juggle kids things. And it just turns into where they're so exhausted. They don't even know who they are. They have no time to build a brand because they're just stretched so thin. And so what we do is we come in we get to know the client and we say, what's your brand voice? Do you know what you want to do? Where are you going to be in five years? And often those questions are really, really hard. And I've had people break down in tears when I've asked them these really simple things because they literally have no idea. And they've only been trying to just get through and keep their head above the water. 
And so for me, I always come at it from that, those interview questions at the very beginning to get to know them and we find where their pain points are. And then we always go from that. Okay. It sounds like what you're telling me is you don't have time to even call your images and get them in sessions. And they're often like crying, like, yeah, I can't do anything. I don't have any life. And I go, okay, so here's what we're going to do starting with step one. And we need to get from this point over here, way over here, because you have nothing in between. Um, and so often those first interviews are actually really difficult for people because they don't know how to answer that. They don't know where they want to be in five years. They just know they don't want to be here um, where they're starting at. And so because of that, we really do get to know our clients on a very personal basis and what, who they are and what they're like. And um, I try to ask about their kids and I try to find out about their families and not to be nosy, but because if they text me and say, Hey, my kid's in the hospital because they have a chronic illness, like I need to know that and I need to know how to support them that way. So I love how you say that you want to learn how to support them. Yeah. Um, because I think that as photographers, we all have a certain reason why we're their senior photographer. They, they need something or they are, maybe they're struggling with self-image and their parents are booking their session to, to try and boost their self-esteem or something like that. So I love how you throw that support in there because I think that that's, that's something that every business owner, if they're connecting with their clients in a certain way, needs to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's dive into, you said that you, that people don't know how to separate or they, they keep their tasks separate. What do you mean by that? Let's go a little bit deeper. Okay. So when I first meet a client, what I often hear is, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found you. I don't want to have anything to do with my marketing and branding. And I want you to take over everything. And that's totally fine because I truly believe that's important. You need to delegate. You need to outsource. You need to figure out where you're just stretched too thin. But what I hate hearing is when I go, okay, so where's your website hosted? How do I log in? And they, they have no idea mm -hmm. and they can't even tell me where their website's located, how to get into it. To me, that's a red flag. And I go, okay, you don't have to be a marketing genius. You don't have to be branding. You don't even have to be a good writer. That's why you have other people in this industry who are very good at what they do. I'm not a photographer, just as I couldn't jump in and be like, I'll take over your images for you. They don't want me doing that. They want me to help them with what, they're, what I'm good at. Um, but it's very disheartening for them to have no input whatsoever into what they're wanting because to me that says, I don't really know who I am. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want out of this business. Um, so what I really encourage clients to do, even if you don't want nothing to do with your marketing and branding is do know, okay, I want my voice to be funny. I want to be pretty witty and I want to be casual and friendly. When I hear those words, at least I have something to go off of. Yeah. But when someone says, well, I just don't want to touch it. I just want to take good pictures. That's to a degree. That's true. You have to have beautiful images to do well in this industry. But if you have no idea of who you are, what you stand for, what your business really means, you're not going to go very far because all you have is pretty pictures. And I think clients, especially seniors with this unicorn effect, they call it that they want something new and they want something different all the time. You're going to just lose ground really quick because there's no sense of authenticity underneath that push, push, push to creativity. And I've had clients come in and they go, well, we're doing this big shoot and we're flying to here and we have smoke bombs and we're going <laughs> to leap them through an archway. And then I go, okay, great. So what does that mean in the bigger picture for you? And they can't tell me because it's a really cool image, but they have no idea why that should maybe boost their career or where they want to get that published or the goals they actually have in mind for their business. 
And so for me, I always try to connect the two and say, okay, great, you have this beautiful shoot in Paris, but what are we gonna do with these images? There's no voice behind it. There's no human, there's no heart. And for them to go, okay, like, yeah, what am I gonna do with these photos? Maybe they'll get published once, but no one's gonna know who you are. No one's gonna go, oh, that's a photographer that really loves honing in on girls who've been bullied and they love giving them this amazing experience. You have to have that component that connects who you are with your gorgeous, gorgeous pictures. And I think when people are missing that and it becomes, well, I did this most creative shoot. Well, who are you? I don't know. And I think that's a way that you can really bring that home in your blog. And I hear a lot of people say, well, no one's reading blogs anymore. Okay. Yes. But your blog is also a way for you to express those pieces of your personality. And it doesn't mean everyone has to read it, but if I click to your website, I need to know that more than just that gorgeous creative shoot, there's other things there. There's more substance. Well, and to me, what that almost it, kind of what I'm hearing personally is there's almost a disconnect between who people are, their brand and how they storytell. Yeah. But how do you work to merge all three? Uh, well, besides just getting to know them, um, or just in general, just how do people, if they're not even say they're not even hiring you, mm-hmm. what are, how do you discover yourself? What, like, what are, sources did you, because you have a why too, you have a story just like, just like all the photographers do. So how do you go a little bit deeper and, and what questions do you have to ask yourself? How do you get to you as the photographer who creates beautiful images to you as the photographer who creates beautiful images that also have a story and a meaning and a why behind them? Sure. So we do something called a manifesto with a lot of our clients and we create a one page sheet that says who they are and what they stand for. And one of my favorite ones is from one of my first clients, Galicia, and hers is just beautiful. And it's one of the the things I'm most proud of that I've written in the last five years. But it is um, all about how these girls come to her and they're often coming from really broken places, whether they've been injured as athletes, whether they've been bullied. There's a lot of bullying happening these days. And we've had girls that are suicidal that senior pictures actually like brought them back to a place where they wanted to be living and they wanted to be human again. And um, so her piece is so beautiful because that's all her heart has ever been is to take photos of people that maybe weren't the perfect size or weren't all size zeros and supermodels. And so the girls come to her and they go, man, I see that your images have girls of all shapes and sizes and girls with disabilities and girls that maybe aren't perfect. And I want to be a part of that. Um, and so how she got to that was, was through blogging. And so we blogged every single week and we just told these people's stories and these girls just came to her and finally said, I read your blog and I felt I connected with so-and-so and that's why I'm here today. And so the manifesto is a pretty key piece of what we do. We also build an ideal client persona for each of our clients. And that would be for you, exam- for example, we would go, okay, so who's your demographic? Where do you live? What's the average income? Who are you speaking to? Are you talking to moms? Are you talking to dads? Are you talking to seniors? And we actually build a persona for each of our clients that talks about their ideal um, demographic, who they're even targeting. Often that's really difficult for them to come up with. They have an idea. Um, so once we have the manifesto and we have the persona, that's a really good place to start for them to start going, okay, these are the kinds of stories I want to tell. And often what I've found is a photographer will come to me and they shoot families, seniors, puppies, newborns, everything under the sun, right? Yeah. You got to pay the bills. I get it. But then as they get their manifesto and they start telling their story, they go, I'm going to cut everything out. And I am a hundred percent in favor of that because I believe you should be really, really good at two or three things and not 
okay at like seven. Um, and so I'll have clients go, you know what, I'm taking out weddings, I'm taking out newborns, I'm taking out puppy graduation shoots, and I'm going to only do seniors and boudoir or whatever. Um, and I whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you put that. that I think that manifesto is super powerful. Yeah. And I think that that kind of almost determines the course of your business too. Absolutely. And, and I love what you said about strengths where identifying what makes you good. Um, so how do you know what your strengths are? If you say you're not, you're not intuitive, you don't have, you don't know how to kind of look in within yourself to figure out what you're good at. How do you find out what your strengths are? I think it's coming down to what you really feel like your heart is pulling you towards. And for a lot of people, they go, well, I don't know if you can work with me. I'm not a writer, but I don't ask anyone to be a writer. And I don't ask anyone to be a web designer. And just as I'm, I'm definitely not a web designer. Um, I know that's not my strength. I get really frustrated trying to do graphic design um, on the web. And so I need someone who's really good at that. And so I think being really honest with yourself and saying, mm -hmm these are the things that I'm really good at. And it's okay that I'm not good at these other things. And I would just, if that's the one piece photographers can come away from this front, I would say, please let it be that yeah. it's okay that you're not a writer. And I just hate when I see people go, well, I don't even blog because I'm so bad at it. Then you're bad at it. Like be honest with yourself and know you need to find someone who's good at it, or you need to take away your blog or you need to figure out what works. But don't just let yourself do an, a not okay job because you know you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I think just being really honest and I know I'm not a superb photographer and I'm not great at lighting and editing, but I'm a really, really strong writer and I'm not good at graphic design. And I think being honest with that is, is where it starts and saying, you know what, I need help in these, these areas of my life and these areas of my business, whether that's accounting, whether that's blogging, whether that's web design, these are all components that not everyone is going to be good. Some people probably are, some photographers probably can do all of it, but there's probably not many <laughs> who can. And I think just starting and saying, what am I really good at? What am I passionate about? And even for me, I do SEO, I do analytics, we do the whole gamut. Um, but, and we also do Instagram um, where we schedule people's Instagram posts for them, manage their accounts. Um, I don't love doing that. I don't love the Instagram piece of it, but I brought on someone that does and he loves it and he's amazing at it. And I just go, okay, I would love to be really good at that. But the truth is that I'm not, I like posting pictures of my kids on Instagram, but I don't love planning out people's Instagrams, yeah. but I brought on someone who's passionate about it, who does a, an amazing job and who I can trust with it. And I think it's hard for me to say, man, that's something I'm not good at. <laughs> that's something oh, I yeah. really don't love. But finding someone who's really good at it makes us so much stronger. And so whether that's blogging, whether that's editing, even I've seen a lot of people outsourcing their editing. Don't feel bad about that. Just just outsource it and go, I'm going to hone in and be amazing at this, these three things. I think that's super important. So I think it starts with being honest with yourself about what you're really good at. What I love and how you pick, picked up on giving yourself permission too, because yeah. I think a lot of photographers put themselves in a box or in a bubble and say, I have to, I have yeah. to be good at everything. Yeah. And they don't give themselves permission to, to move away from certain things that may, you know, honestly, maybe, like you said, maybe you're not the best at, at blogging. Maybe you don't like editing and it's really taking away from your potential and, and pulling you away. So I think that being honest and giving yourself the permission to do that is really important. Like you said. Yeah. Um, let's go back to your nursing school career and then 
failure on <laughs> the licensing exam. It's, it's a very tough subject because I think that there are a lot of people where, you know, I, I, I know actually very few people that are photographers that said, I want to be a photographer when I yeah. grow up. So what did you find from going to kind of from nursing school, mm-hmm. ultimately uh, going, you know, not passing the, the NCLEX or if I'm saying that correctly, the licensing yeah. exam, and then ultimately finding what you're passionate about? Uh, I would say it took a long time to even be able to talk about it. I was pretty, I mean, all of my friends, we, we went to nursing school together, you know, we kind of became like a family. And so when they all graduated and passed their exam, I was literally the only one in my entire class who didn't pass eventually. And so um, it just became really awkward because people would <laughs> run into me in the grocery store or whatever and be like, oh, and then they didn't know what to say. And I didn't know what to say. And so for several years, it was just super difficult, super painful subject. I would cry every time I talked about it because it was just so much work and time and money that had been poured in. And then I didn't have a career. And so for a long time, I even treated my business as it was kind of like plan B. Mm-hmm. And so people would go, oh, how's that thing going? You know, that thing where you write for people. And at that time I was making a pretty good income, but I didn't really want to talk about it because I was really embarrassed. And so it was like, oh yeah, it's going pretty well. You know, it's kind of my fallback. And I would talk about it like that. And I actually went to um, a Gary V conference, I guess two years ago, and I heard him speak and he said, stop apologizing for something that your life didn't go the way that you wanted. And for me, I'm a Christian, so my faith plays a little part of that too, um, or a big part. (laughs) Um, But just knowing that that was God's plan for me and that it was so much better than I had imagined for myself. But hearing Gary say, you know, like stop saying, I'm sorry that this didn't go this way. And um, that I just wanted to say, you know, I'm really proud of this. I worked really hard to build a company and it's not my plan B. It was something maybe I didn't anticipate happening this way, but I worked really hard and I love what I do. And so I think that conference was really the place where I learned to say that I was really proud of what I had done and that I had built this company. And that was okay to say I was proud of it rather than going, well, I'm still just kind of embarrassed. I didn't pass my NCLEX. And then I started this other company and now it's worked out okay. And I don't think that's what it is. I think I poured hours and hours of time into it and it became my heart and soul and my passion. And I don't need to apologize for that anymore. And so I would say if you're going from a big career change like I did, you don't have to feel bad about it. You don't have to apologize to people and downplay it. I would really minimize any success I was having in in the workplace because it felt like, oh, it was just too weird. People were probably thinking X, Y, Z about me. Um, They probably aren't. And if they are, that's on them. And, you know, all I could do is keep doing my best and pouring into my clients and being proud of what I had done. Um, And so I had to really, I had to, had to let go of those expectations, even for my nursing friends and myself. And now people ask me about it and I can share with them. And it's, it's a great story at the time. It wasn't a great story. It was super dark and very painful. Um, But now I'm able to look back and just say, yeah, it didn't go the way I thought, but it went, it went this way. And that's great. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I almost completely relate to you to a T I, um, went to the University of Washington, graduated with a degree in biochemistry, and I thought I was going to be a doctor. And it was, I remember sitting in my dorm room my junior year and canceling taking the MCAT, which is the basically the admissions test to go into medical school, because it wasn't what I wanted to do. And it wasn't what I wanted to do fully. Do I think that I, I could have done it and been a great, sure 
totally, totally think that. But it wasn't deep down what I wanted to do. And this was right as photography was kind of, the business is really taking off. And when you said it's kind of, you don't know what to say to those others, other people's expectations of you. I think that's the hardest part. I don't think it's, I don't think that people get caught up on knowing what they want to do themselves. I think it's people get caught up on trying to do what other people expect of them. And I, I think that that's a really dangerous thing. Yeah. But I also think that it's very freeing when you figure out that that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's awesome. How did you how did you work to overcome that? What steps did you take? Um, I started listening to a lot of Gary Vee stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but mm-hmm. he he's pretty big powerhouse when it comes to marketing. Getting to hear him live was a super big highlight for me, and a lot of what he said was really helpful for me in that in that time. And that was even a couple of years after the business had already been going. Um, but just hearing him say, you know, make this your priority, make this your plan a was really, um, empowering. And I felt like that did change a lot of things. Um, and so I did restructure at that point, I hired my first employee and I think that was, that was a big step. I think that was a, a big step in overcoming that this isn't a real job. Um, and for a long time, I kind of felt like oh, I can't bring someone on because what if I just lose a bunch of clients and I have to fire someone that's really awkward. Um, and I had to kind of take that leap of faith to say, you know, it's been doing well for a couple of years now and I need to bring someone on. And so hiring that first employee was a, a big deal and probably was that final step of closure and saying, this is a big girl job. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> career and I don't need to, it's not a blogging hobby. I felt like that's a, And I'd say I was a blogger and I think people literally thought that I was like writing about, I don't know, mommyhood or something, which is yeah. fine. Like that can be a legitimate career, but I have a side blog. That's my own. I never write on it. Um, I break my own rules by never, <laughs> <laughs> but I think differentiating that between a mommy blogger and it being like a fun hobby where I'm posting recipes and it being a legitimate job where I had an employee and someone else to consider in this, um, was a big step. And I think for me, that was that final piece of closure to that other part of my life where I felt like, Oh, this is still a little weird. Like it doesn't feel like this is a real career. Um, but it, it has turned into that. And so I'm just really thankful. Um, and I think that was probably the point where I felt like, okay, I'm really proud of where this has gone and how far I've come. Uh, let's talk about motherhood a little bit. Okay. How do you balance? <laughs> they're, they're, they're yeah. How how do you balance motherhood and having this this job or this? You know, it's it's an endeavor where you're trying to really balance two full time jobs. So, yeah. what do you do? How do you do it? Uh, some days it doesn't get done. <laughs> I think I have lowered my expectations with myself. I struggle with really bad anxiety and I started going to therapy last year for that. That's really helped. I think really some of those expectations of always having a clean house, always having well-behaved children. And, and my kids are awesome. They're so great. They're amazing little girls. And we have a third on the way, but I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. Congrats uh, on the third on the way, by the way. We homeschool. So that adds a whole nother element because I'm in charge of their education and, you know, just their activities. Well, they're getting a good English literature education. I'm oh, I sure. hope so. Their math yeah. might be a struggle. <laughs> um, our oldest is a competitive gymnast. So we travel quite a bit for her. She's in the gym several hours a week um, and she's amazing, but that's a whole nother um, aspect that takes me away from home a lot. So actually I'm really thankful for this job because I drop her off at the gym and I actually sit there and I blog <laughs> while I watch her. And that's just really, a lot of moms don't get that. I feel really lucky. And so as hard as it is to balance 
dealing with their homeschooling and their activities and they're in karate, dance and gymnastics. Um, so I'm driving all the time, but I'm on phone calls with clients in the car and I just have realized this is our normal mm -hmm. and that's okay. And it doesn't look like everybody's and not everyone will understand that. And I think that's what I've had to accept most of all is that people will go, wow, like there's no way I could do that. That's okay. You don't have to do it. And I'm happy doing it. And it's a circus. I mean, we do a lot of crock pot meals and we eat a lot of takeout and I'm not, my house isn't as clean as I would like, but what I've learned, especially being in therapy the last six months is that, um, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I have really happy, wonderful kids and I feel super grateful for that. Um, and I think just approaching it with an attitude of thankfulness for what I've been given is what makes it doable. Um, it's crazy some days and there's days when I think I'm just going to throw in the towel or I'm going to send them to public school and there's no way we can keep up with her training and all of this. Um, but we do it because we're a team and my husband plays a huge part in that. He's super amazing, super dad. And um, he has a nine to five regular job, but he's always here helping. He set all of my stuff up for this recording and he's just, he's my number one fan. And so I couldn't do it without him. Um, but it's, it's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of time organization. I get up a lot at five in the morning and I work mm -hmm. until they wake up at eight and then we kind of start our day of parenting. Um, my clients are amazing and they all understand that I'm not always available on the weekends and I can't answer at one in the morning. Um, I have had clients call me at one in the morning. Oh, <laughs> with broken websites. Um, but they, for the most part, they're all super understanding um, and supportive because a lot of them are moms. Um, a lot of um, senior photographers just happen to be parents or have other jobs. And so most of them are understanding that this isn't always like a 24 seven gig and they know if my phone's off, my phone's off because I'm probably doing something with my kids. So yeah. um, just making them the priority has been probably key to that and letting go of the fact that the laundry and the bathrooms and everything will, will not get done sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, I love how you brought up self-care again, because I've noticed that you asked that of your potential clients mm -hmm. and then you're taking that as a step in your life. Um, what are you doing for self-care? Uh, for myself, I try to walk um, on the treadmill, which sometimes I watch Grey's Anatomy and then I walk on the treadmill. <laughs> and sometimes that 45 minutes is this peace and quiet that I get during the day. Um, but my kids are pretty self-motivated learners. They're really great homeschoolers and they kind of tackle their own homework themselves. So that's really nice. I think if I didn't have as motivated, especially for my older one who's in mm -hmm. I don't know that I'd have as much ability to say, okay, here's your work and I'm going to walk on the treadmill or take a bath or, you know, get these things done. Um, writing actually is very therapeutic for me. So I love that. And I feel like it is part of my self-care, even though that's my job. Yeah. <laughs> but um, honestly, just watching my kids do their activities is something that I love and being there for ballet, being there for karate is, is really what I'm passionate about because our kids are really our world. And, um, it sounds silly, but getting to just watch her gymnastics meets feels like a treat because I'm just super proud of my kids and I love being there. Um, so self-care doesn't always look like that and that's okay. And I try to make time to see friends and whatever. And they're pretty understanding that my schedule is pretty wild. I had a friend coming yeah. out of town um, next week and she's like, well, when are you free? And I'm like, okay, uh, 10.15 to 10.45 on Thursday, because that's really the windows are so strange mm -hmm. when you homeschool that um, the kids do school in the morning, but then they go to a charter school two days a week, and then they, you know, I work in between. So I'm working 30 minutes here and 45 minutes there, and when they're going to bed, it's, it's a little bit of a juggling act. Yeah. Yeah, taking time out just to take a walk or, you know, go shopping with a friend is 
probably how I take care of myself. And I don't always do a great job. I think that my anxiety has played a big role in not necessarily doing that and feeling really guilty anytime I did. Um, but I think getting that under control has helped me realize where I can improve. Um, I don't know that any of us are are perfect and we all have areas we can fix and whether oh, absolutely, yeah. um, I think finding those is how you improve. Yeah, I no, I completely agree. And, and I think that the understanding what works for you is a big, big aspect where if it's like, if something is, you know, doesn't bring you joy, it's like, well, figure out how to mitigate that. And it seems like you've kind of almost built a schedule around yeah. finding out what works for you and what makes you kind of what makes you tick or what makes you happy. And, ultimately leads to, to self-care in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you love most about your life? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) You got me there. Uh, definitely my husband and my kids just bring me the most joy. Um, I'm a Christian. So for me, my faith and God brings me peace and joy, um, and happiness. So we're very involved in our local church and, and that part, you know, religion plays a big part in our family's life. Um, but I think just coming to a place where I felt comfortable with what I was doing and being happy. And I'm 31. I think it took me a long time to get to this place where I feel um, just humble and, but thankful and also proud of what I've done um, was, is a big key to happiness. I think I'm happier than I've been in a really long time. And I think that, um, you know, all those things I mentioned play a part in that, but just being really comfortable with this is where my life's at and, and not having to apologize to people for that feels good. Um, and feels peaceful. So I love it. Um, As we kind of get towards the end, what is one thing that you want people to know about you? Uh, Just that I value my clients, that my business is very important to me and I do pour my heart and soul into it. And over the years, of course, everyone has that bum client that you, they walk away and you feel like, man, what could I have done to do better? Um, I hate that feeling. (laughs) And so I am probably going to err more on the side of pouring too much of myself into my clients. Um, And I've had to really learn to set boundaries. And if someone walks away unhappy, I do my best to to fulfill what they need. But ultimately, sometimes that's just a difference in personality. Um, And so what I want my clients to know is I will always go above and beyond for them. I'll go the extra mile and I'll go above and beyond even when I'm absolutely exhausted because I want them to, I want them to find the place where they feel really happy, where they feel passionate about their brand and seeing someone light up when they finally figure that out is the best reward for me. Um, And any client I work with, I want them to know that they are the priority when it's work time. And when my work hours are filled, yes, I'm a busy mom, but my clients, they know they come first. And when it comes to work um, and those working hours and I do prioritize them and their blogs are super important to me. And it, I write over 140 blogs a month. So wow. it'd be really easy to just kind of like knock those out, uh, you know, assembly line style. <laughs> um, but I really pour myself into everyone. We custom write every one of our blogs. None of them are repeated. So the topics might be repeated like trends for prom, but yeah. we actually hand write every single one. And that's something I've never, ever wanted to lose. And so just that custom piece of being like, this blog is literally just for you. It's only going to appear on your website is a piece I hope people know. And I don't know that even all of our clients realize that, Um, but we just do custom write every single piece for them, for their voice and for their audience. And for me, that piece is something I will never, ever give up, no matter how big we get, because I think that's the most important is that clients feel validated, that we are investing enough time in them that they feel important. Important. Absolutely. I love it. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, 
Sure. I have a Facebook. It's just under my name, Grace Aspinwall. You can always reach me there, but we have a business Facebook called Aspinwall Collective that you can find and message us there. Um, You can always message me through my personal page or the business page and we'll respond. Um, Our website, aspenwallcollective.com has a contact form and that's how most of our new clients find us and they turn in, you can select what you're interested in, whether that's SEO or blogging. Um, Every client gets a free 15 minute consult. So I talk with them, I determine what their goals are and we decide if we're a good fit. So you're not obligated to just like sign up and go. Um, But our minimum package starts at $200 a month and then goes up from there depending on what your needs are. We offer SEO audits. If you just need a one-time thing, we offer a la carte blogs and projects. Um, Many people, like I said, use us for the senior magazines, and we do. you don't have to sign a contract to do something like that. You can hire us just for a one-time project. Um, But I have a personal Instagram. It's grace underscore Aspenwall. You can find me there. I think that probably covers all of my socials. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. And I always like to wrap up. Um, if you guys are listening on the podcast, please shoot us a DM at Senior Sal Guide. Include uh, Grace's account as well so that she can see your response. Um, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and leave the your answer in the comments. I always like to end with you asking a question to the viewers and listeners um, about something you want to know from them. This can be anything photography, it could be photography related, it could be life related, just a question that you want them to answer down below in the comments or or over DM. Okay. Uh, I would say my question to anyone would be, what is your main message and how are you communicating that effectively? I love it. Perfect. Awesome. Um, I just want to say a deep heartfelt thank you guys for joining for this podcast, uh, this YouTube channel. If this is your first welcome, if this is Number 25, welcome back. It is our pleasure to have you guys here and we are so thankful for your support. If you guys have not hit that subscribe button or that follow button, please do so now so that you can make sure that you get all of this content pushed directly towards you. If you something with this, uh, with our talk today with me and Grace resonated with you, hit that share button, share it out with a friend. You never know how it's gonna touch somebody else and kind of impact their lives. So. Grace, thank you so much for being on. I loved our conversation today. I think that no matter if you're a photographer or creative, I think that there's something in here for everybody today. So um, thank you for being on Real Talk. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We'll see you guys. That wraps it up for this episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. We are so excited that you guys are joining us and just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you guys have the option to listen to and it really means the world that you're joining us and giving us a part of your day and really just joining in on part of the conversation and and the community. In addition, make sure that you guys are joining us over on Facebook in the Senior Style Guide group over there where photographers from all throughout the country contribute, give their input and their advice and their experiences to help other photographers learn and grow. We'd love for you to join us over there as well. So all you have to do is search Senior Style Guide on Facebook, ask to be added to the group, and we'll make sure that you guys get to be a part of the conversation over there. If you haven't had a chance to hit that subscribe button below, please take a second to do that really quick. What that does is it makes sure that you guys keep up to date on all of the content that we're putting out there. We have tons of Real Talk episodes coming to you guys throughout the year from leaders and other photographers that you would love to hear from. So we want to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of that. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. Thank you guys for joining us and we cannot wait to have you as part of the listening experience for future podcasts. 
Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode and we'll see you around. Thank you.